0: Uh, we're continuing on in our, our study in the book of James. Uh, faith that works. And, uh, we're, we're kind of starting to get to the place now where I feel like we're moving forward. So unless you're new today or have been gone for a while. Which again, those things are fine, and we love having you here this morning. Um, we've been studying the book of James, and we're in, in the week, I think this is week three uh, of this study. We find ourselves still in James chapter one, so if you have your Bible with you and you want to grab your Bible and open it up, we'll be in James one, uh, verses 12 to 18 today. Um, but we find ourselves in this study where James is challenging those who have placed their faith in the way, that's what they called it back then, the way. Uh, but Jesus Christ, that they believed that Jesus Christ was God, that He wasn't just a man. Uh, He was killed. He was buried. He was resurrected. And, uh, these are people who were starting to believe in that and believe in God and that this was the fulfillment of the Messiah that was prophesied about in, in uh, the Jewish religion. And for those outside of the Jewish religion, that this was the one true God instead of all the gods that they have temples to and all those things like that. So James is writing this book to the church. In the dispersion. So in other words, it's not one church. You read the, the, the Paul's epistle to, you know, Ephesians. That was to the church in Ephesus. Now it's applicable and was probably even applicable in that day and age to other people. It's applicable to us today, but that was being written to one specific church. James was writing this kind of to all the churches. Like, hey, you've, you've believed, you've placed your faith in the way, uh, and, and this is how you should be living. And so that's what we're looking at. And that's why we're not taking huge chunks. We're kind of focusing in on these smaller chunks of verses because there's so much good stuff in here. And so if you've missed the last couple of weeks and you wanted to catch up, you could hop online. You'll see pastor Kevin. We only, uh, download or video record and download down at the main campus, but, um, it's the basic, same basic structure. The skeleton we put together, the outline is the same. So you'll kind of know where we're, you know, moving forward from, um, and, and 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 then, obviously, it's only week three, so you'll you'll be caught up. And we we you know look back at things that we've already talked about quite a bit, and so even if you had missed those, you won't be too lost. But today, um, in this sermon series of faith that works, we're going to look at the idea, the big idea of I choose God's truth over my comfort. Okay. And, and so when we were talking this week as a pastoral staff about this, I started thinking about a friend of mine who was being, there's no other word for it. And I think we overuse this word sometimes. And I think other times we're being persecuted and we don't use that word, but he was being persecuted because he was a believer. Uh, and, and he came to me as a friend, but also for counsel. He literally was being, uh, asked to do more work than what he w- should have to do for his job. He was being lo- overlooked promotions. Uh, they were giving him, uh, tasks that maybe weren't his that were also really difficult for him to accomplish. Um, and, and he really felt that it was being done because he was a Christian and he didn't involve himself in things that were going on in the office and outside of the office and for things that he stood for and believed in. And 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 my encouragement to him was, is God using this trial to grow you? Right? Is he developing you through this? You know, is he bringing you to maturity? Is he building this up so you're going to have an opportunity for for being a witness or to be a witness in this situation? Those are the kind of questions that I asked him and encouraged him in. Because there are times where there will be a trial that will come up. And that there will be a need or an opportunity to walk away from that situation. But I think sometimes, out of our own desire for comfort, we look to get out of trials. And so my friend came to me, he's like, Mark, I'm at my wit's end. Is this a time I need to walk away from this? Get a different job? Or is God calling me? to stand, to stay there, to be a good witness. And so when I think about a passage like what we're going to look at today, I think about this this friend of mine and that we are going to go through trials in our lives. And James has already called us to be steadfast in those trials. Why? Because steadfastness produces, and then he goes on to list all of these things that obviously help us grow into a place of spiritual maturity, right? And, and so when I think about my friend and, I, and, and my desire for him is to be out of that situation, and, and, and I want to say just leave, you're, you're desirable. You'll get another job. You know, there's part of me that has to say to him, at least bring it up as an option of, does God have you in this situation, in this particular trial, because he wants you to grow? And so it may not be exactly like my friend's situation, but I think a lot of us can say, I've been in a trial like that. Where uh, it, there was that opportunity for me to just leave and get out of that situation, and it no longer exists because I could walk away. Or like last week we were talking about, um, when James was talking about the idea of having enough wealth to almost buy your way out of a trial. right? Um, and instead saying, no, I'm going to stay in this, I'm going to move forward, I'm going to work in this, because I know that God is growing me into the man or the woman that he desires me to be. And 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 I want to choose God's truth over my comfort. It takes a level of maturity to be there, right? An immature uh, person, a young child says, this is uncomfortable, this is hurting me, I want out. A mature person gets to the place where he or she can say, God has called me to be here, I haven't been released from this, God has called me to go through this. God has called me to stand during this time. And I'm going to choose God's truth that he will be with me. That he is using trials to grow me. Instead of saying, man, I'm just not comfortable right now. This, is, this, this isn't this is fun. This isn't good. And, and I'm going to choose to get out of there. And, and so, again, I think for myself today or this week as I was looking at this, the idea of, of counseling friends and then also how am I preparing myself That when I go into the next trial that I have, that I will be ready to be steadfast and move through it and grow into the man that God has called me to be. I want to choose God's truth over my comfort. And this series, James gets really real and practical God speaks through James, and, and, it, and it works in our everyday life. This stuff is so applicable. So we're going to start out in James chapter 1, verses 12 to 18. I'm going to read it all, and then we'll just kind of unpack this. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast. There's that word again. Steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test... He will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God for God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire then desire when it is fully conceived gives birth to sin and sin when it's fully grown brings forth death do not be deceived my beloved brothers every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change of his own he or uh, will he brought uh, or, of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first of his creatures. Let's pray really quick before we dive into to this passage. Father God, we want to come before you today and we want to come before you in such a way that our hearts, our minds are open to your teaching. Holy Spirit, speak through me this morning. Help These brothers and sisters in Christ hear from you today. Not just what I've prepared, but speak to them where they are at. Whether they're in the middle of a trial, whether they're coming out of a trial, whether they're uh, not in one right now, but they know that around the corner there could be one. Help them to take some of these ideas and these thoughts and, and, and put them away so that when they have the challenge of a trial, They will know how to move forward in that. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let's not forget where we are. Where James is talking to us here, we are talking about trials. And I know if you've been listening at all, you can't forget that. But trials is what James is talking about because he knows that everybody goes through them, right? And we've talked about that each of these three weeks. You're in a trial, you've just come out of a trial, or you're about to go into a trial. These are words for you, no matter where you find yourself right now. Now, a trial or a test of various kinds, these can be big things. These can be small things, everything in between, right? Some of them can be uh, ones that affect you and your entire family. Some of them affect you, uh, maybe in a little more personal way. Some of them that you go through uh, can affect ultimately your extended family, your church family. Um, God wants us to pass these tests, these tests that come into our lives, these trials, he wants us to pass them. Remember last week we were talking about the teacher, and I know a lot of you are teachers or have been teachers, and, and I know your goal is to educate your students so that they pass the test. So no matter how much that, that Junior higher or that high schooler or even elementary wants to say my teacher hates us all you know we 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 get these tough tests we can never pass it's just not true right the majority of teachers are great people that want you to learn and then they give you a test to make sure that you've learned it and if you haven't then you can have another opportunity to learn or to get better and and last week we talked about God. Right, He wants us to pass these tests in our lives. And some are easier than others. Some are hard, right? Some of them are multiple choice or, or true or false. I loved those ones. And when you had to write little essays, that gets a little bit more difficult for me, right? I try to, you know, I mean, so some tests in our lives are going to be easy. Some trials that we go through, they're going to be an hour long, a day long, a week long. And then there are going to be other trials that are going to go on for weeks. And weeks or months or years. And God wants us to remember his truths and move forward in that instead of choosing the easy way out that sometimes the world will present to us. The easy way out isn't necessarily the right way. And a lot of times it's not. But if you don't believe the truths of God and who he is and what he desires for you, you're going to be tempted by the world to take the easy way out. God wants us to be refined. That's a word that he uses, right? He, he, he wants us um, to be tested like good materials are. I was thinking about Malachi 2. We just came out of our book study in Malachi, hopped right into James, and here these verses reminded me of Malachi, right? God's weaving the same story throughout the Bible, right? God wants to refine us. Through these processes, Malachi 3, verse 2, we saw that God wants to refine his children. Why? So that you and I will look less like the world and more like him. Right? And so if you're a Christian today and you place your faith in Jesus Christ, your desire should be to look more like Jesus Christ. Like the, the way that God wants you as women and men who have, have believed to look. And, and, and so that's what these, this test does. These trials do to us. They allow us to grow to become the men and women that God wants us to be. Um, uh, testing forges. When I think about this, I thought about a TV show. I only watched it a couple of times, but Forged in Fire. Have any of you guys know of that one or seen that one? We've got a couple hands up here. For the rest, of you guys see a couple hands in the back? That's so pastoral, isn't it? I see those hands in the back, but I actually did. Anyway, so there's a few of you guys that have seen that. For those of you that haven't, this was a TV show where they were given raw material to then make knives or swords, right? And and a lot of times it had to do with a certain period or you know time period and what they should look like. And these master craftsmen would go in there and they would be hammering away and heating the material and they're banging on those things, right? And they're jamming it back into the fire and, and they're, they're beating away at this steel. And at the end of the show, 60 minutes later, you got this beautiful sword or you got this incredible looking knife. Right? And and so when I read this, this idea of being forged towards it or whatever, that heat, that hammering, that pressure, that application to bring out a or to bring into an existence a fine and pure state for that sword or for that knife, right? Free from impurities, that's what God wants for us. When we go through trials. When we go through testing, when we're being refined, when we're being forged, God is applying heat and pressure and pain and allowing those things to happen so that in the end, when we stand, he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into your reward. And that reward will, will, it won't even, none of the trials you went through in this world will compare to that. Praise God, he is causing us to move and become more like Jesus Christ. James then goes into this idea of steadfast. Again, we've talked about this over the last couple weeks because this is something that James wants us to understand. That we need to move forward through this, right? Purposefully going through pain. Because you know what's on the other side. So if you're sitting here today and you've placed your faith in God, but you don't know what's on the other side, you haven't allowed your maturity, your growth to get to that place, you need to grab the Bible. First of all, you need to grab some friends, you need to grab some good books or resources and you need to become accustomed and and know what's on the other side. Why am I called to do these things? Because of the promises of a second coming, of heaven and eternity with God. Those things, when you understand those things, when you're going through a trial, you can say, yeah, I know what this is doing to me. I may not understand it, I may not like it, but I know where God is growing me. I know what his goal is for me. And so that idea, we know what's on the other side, and so we purposefully remain in the pain, right? We, we, we know that the pressure that's being applied, the heat, the banging is creating us. It's moving us into the people that God desires us to be. And so this idea of being steadfast to remain is, is something that James believes in and, and, and says, this is God's will for you in trials, in testing is to grow in him. Now, does that mean that we never are to remove ourselves from tough situations? No, that is not what I'm saying. We just need to be careful. So again, that comes back to me talking about having these groups of people around you that you can trust. Have a mentor in your life that can feed you spiritual things, that has gone through these tough things, that knows the word. And then you allowing yourself to be a mentor to someone else that is just coming along. Surround yourself with these groups of people. So that we know we have people that we can talk to and say, is this Should I stay in this? Should I, should I find a way out of this? Is this, do you think God's called me to move forward in this? And it's not all placed on you. The pressure's not all on you because there are situations where we need to get out of those things. You know, the initial part was the trial or the test, but at some point you got to walk away from, but we don't want to subvert God's goals of growth through trials And it's not just James that writes about this. So we know that it's not just one guy writing and it doesn't, you know, go with the rest of scripture. This is what God wants for us because we can learn in those seasons of life like no other times. When you're going through something tough and you come out on the other side, right? You can look at that time and say, wow, this is what God did to me. Through this trial, through this time. How can I be forged? How can I be refined? Let steadfastness finish its work so that you can be perfect and complete, not lacking anything. James introduces here this idea of a reward, right? The crown of life. And we don't have a ton of time. I mean, I could preach a whole sermon just on this. But let me just tell you, just so you kind of understand, this reward that he's talking about here is not salvation. Okay? Salvation is a free gift to you, not based on anything that you've done. It is simply given to you. Jesus Christ did all the work on the cross. He was buried. And then he rose on that third day. And he said to anyone who believes on his name, he will give you the right to be called a son or daughter of God Period. There's no level or standard that you have to live up to, okay? This is a gift to you. That's salvation. This reward that we're talking about here is not salvation. It's also not a royal crown. This isn't a crown that's gonna have a bunch of jewels in it. For the more, you know, more trials I go through, I'm gonna get more and more jewels. You know, and I'm gonna be walking around heaven with this incredible crown so that everybody knows how tough my life was, right? That's not what we're talking about here. The reward is the victor's crown. That's what James was talking about. It's the same crown that's worn by an Olympic athlete. It's more than a participation trophy. This is somebody that ran through it, that was steadfast, that stuck to it, that grew. Trials have rewards. We will have something to show for our lives or in our lives after those trials we'll have a testimony we'll have a new outlook on life we'll maybe be able to help somebody else that's going through the same kind of trial that I just went through i was thinking about this week uh, we were talking i was thinking about my wife getting ready for the half marathon okay she ran and she ran a lot and she ran every day and 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 she trained right and 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 then and then she got hurt right in the marathon she got the half marathon she got hurt and she hasn't been able to run since then okay and and a couple of times she said man mark i feel like everything that i worked towards i've lost right when it, when i finally with the with the the fracture heals in her femur and she's able to the green light to start walking again let alone start running again um you, how am i going to be able to get back to the place that i was at and then God brought me this passage. And as I was thinking about this, I said to myself, because what she developed in her training was not just physical health and, and, and the, the capability to run 13 and a half miles right? She developed a mental strength. She learned something through the trial, let's say, of getting ready for this race, that even though she was injured and not able to run right now, she's learned how to run in a way that people who haven't ran before or learned how to run, she knows how to do something that I don't know how to do. Right? And so there's a, this idea that as we are going through a trial, we are learning something that then we will be able to have later on in life. And the next time I go through that trial, the next time Gwen decides to run a ha- not, not a half marathon, a 5k maybe with her daughter, the training for it will be different. She knows what she needs to do. Right? And and so she's learned something through this. Mental strength can remain. And so I remind her of this. You, you've become different than you were before you started training for that half marathon. You understand things in a way that people that don't run don't. And, And, and again, when we go through trials, our mind, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, we're being formed. We're moving forward in that. In our desire for comfort, sometimes we want to make these adjustments to our situations, right? I want to get out of this trial. I want to make it easier on me. Um, and, and, and we we have to fight that in the sense of we need to do what God has called us to do, not what we have wanted to do. There might be a temptation to adjust our thinking and behavior, hoping that things will be more comfortable, So if we do that, we must be careful uh, because we'll find ourselves cultivating a breeding ground for temptation, right? And as we look at this, God doesn't tempt us, but temptation comes. Trials are hard. And James brings up this idea of temptation because in the midst of a trial, we're often tempted to compromise God's truth, Because we're blinded by the pain. We're blinded by our suffering. We're blinded by our emotions, right? And and so we don't see God's truth. When pressure gets put on us, when that heat's coming, when they're banging on us, when when that trial is, we squirm, right? That's human nature. That's natural. But that's not what God has called us to, to do, to be. We need to move forward in that, right? Because if we're not careful in our desire to be comfortable, we might do some things that are sinful. In the midst of a trial that or a test that's in our life, we could avoid things that we need to take on head on, right? And take care of. There could be escapism. You might just take yourself out of the situation completely. Maybe just out of even engaging with people. Self-medication could come into play. Improper self-medication, I should say. <laughs> blaming God, right? Again, blaming God for your desire. There's there, That could even go to as far as turning away from God. The frustration goes to the point where you just can't see how you can continue on in that relationship with God self-pity we could go on and on these temptations that could come up during our trials and and what we have to know is there's god's nature and there's human nature and that's where james goes next this temptation that arises comes from us right ourselves not god God's nature, he is sovereign. The tests, the trials are, are either there because he's brought them to us or he has allowed them. God is in control. He is sovereign and he is good. God is sovereign and he is good. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. So again, we're talking about this idea that in the trial, in the test, you may be tempted to do something, and we need to understand where that temptation comes from. Our nature, you and I, look what James says about it. We have a sinful nature. There's a progression here. Desire to sin to death, right? When we were talking this week uh, with, with Brian and Kevin, we are talking about the idea of, of fishing. How many of you guys like to fish? Okay, we got some fishermen, fisherwomen out there, right? You lure, right? You bait the hook, right? And then you, you cast it out there and you hook the fish and then you catch that fish and you bring it in. You've caught it, right? And then you scoop it into the neck or into the net, right? You scoop it in the net. Then you bonk it on the head and then dinner, right? There's a progression. And that's the same way that, that we, we see our lives going if we're not careful. The idea of desire turning to sin and sin ultimately to death. Temptation in trials is rooted in Satan's desire for you and I to fail. And a lot of those beliefs that we choose to keep in our lives, even after coming to Christ, are from what we learned before we came to God or what the world is continuing to tell us. It's the lie that Satan has sold and that we've all bought into. And just when you become a Christian doesn't mean that it magically disappears. There's still the temptation to believe those things. And so here we see Satan wants us to fail. The world wants us to fail. The world wants us to believe something. And that's not God's desire for us. Testing in trial is rooted in God's desire for you and I to grow and to mature. Right? We're going to have tests in our lives. We're going to have, we're going to have trials in our lives so that we can grow. That's what James wants us to know and understand. We got a couple of verses just to look at left here before we tie this all up. It says, do not be deceived. This is kind of a hinged verse, right? You know when you go into one of those old-fashioned, like, saloon-type bars or whatever, and the door swings in and it swings back the opposite way, right? That's kind of what this do not be deceived is, right? It's pointing backwards at what we've just talked about, but it's also pointing forwards to what James is about to say. We can be deceived into thinking wrongly about God. We can be deceived into thinking wrongly about our trials, And often I think we think wrongly about ourselves, right? We look at ourselves in a light that isn't quite reality or truth. And James says, do not be deceived. And that's where uh, I think this, what he, what he's saying there, what he's encouraging us to is propelling him into these next few thoughts. James has a genuine care for his Fellow believers. We talked about this in chapter 1. When James says brothers, he's acknowledging brothers and sisters. Again, I know sometimes that can be touchy for some people. But that is what he is saying. Beloved, beloved brothers. All of you who have placed your faith in God. All of you who are following the way. You are beloved. You are. I love you. I want what's best for you. God wants what's best for you. He wants us to pass. He wants us to grow and mature through these tests in lives, in our life, because his goal is for spiritual growth and Christian maturity. He wants us to be able to avoid and win against temptation. He wants us to choose God's truth over our comfort. When we think about the truths of God, the ones that we should be thanking him for and living in. We we got to rem- living in. We got to remember that God is truth. Everything that God does and says is good. He loves us. He has a plan in it. You and I need to believe the truth that God's word is truth and is good. And we need to spend more time in it. When we're feeling lost or we don't know what to do in this situation, we need to be spending more time in God's word. Because he has given us the answers. Let's not forget the key to identifying what is false is to be intimately acquainted with what is true. If you want to know if something is from God, you need to know God. I'm sure you've all heard this story before. When when you're learning to be a uh, uh someone who works to shut down or to stop or to identify counterfeit money, right? Counterfeiting, you spend a ton of time with real money, right? So that you know money so well that when the counterfeit bill comes across the table, you know that it's fake because it's not real. It's not the truth. And so you'll have people, they'll say, I don't know if this is from God or if this is from the world. And, and, and my point to them, not to sell it too simply or soft or short, is to you got to get to know God better. Because if you know God, you will know his truth. And that's why once you've been trained and, and you know the ways of counterfeiting and, and you're there uh, sitting there and you have a stack of bills in front of you, as you thumb through them, it becomes very easy to figure out what's counterfeit, what's fake, what's wrong. Because you know the real bill so well. How many of us can sit here today and say, I know God so well that when things come into my life, and when, when there's trials, when there's testing, when people are bringing advice or bringing accusations or thoughts that you can say, I know the truth, I know God, and I know this isn't it. And yet that's where James wants us to be. That's where God wants us to be. When we're in the middle of a trial and we're tempted to think wrongly about God, yourself, or the trial, we need to remember the truths that we know about God. We need to remember those truths. We need to write on a three-by-five card things about God and, and tape it up on our mirror when we're brushing our teeth. Just commit those things to memory. We need to talk about them with our children when we tuck them into bed. We need to speak of these things at meals or in conversations with our spouses, with our friends, with our family members. Every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights. Because we can thank God for his good gifts. God is going to give us good things. Even in the midst of a trial. Have you ever had that tough time, that trial that's hit your life? I don't want you to raise your hands, but think about this. And God brings someone into your life that was a friend that has words of wisdom. Man, what a gift. What a blessing. I mean, I could go on and on about the different good gifts that God could give you in the midst of trials. We need to thank God for his unchanging nature. The second one here. With whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. James tells us God is not going to change. You can trust God. What you know about God is true and you can believe it. The third thing is we need to thank God for our salvation. James here says, of his own, he bought or brought us forth by the word of truth. This was of God, not of our own our own hard work or efforts. And then we need to thank God for who I am because of my salvation, my high standing with him. James says that we should be a kind of first fruits. We're not the apples that have fallen to the ground that are bruised and have a worm in them, right? That's not how God views us. We are the first fruits of his creatures. We have been given salvation Provided by Jesus Christ because of his love for us. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 4, 8, and 9 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned... And received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. If you're in the midst of a trial right now, you need to remember those things. Because more than anything, you need God to be with you. And you need to focus in on truth and honorable things. The things that are just and pure and lovely. And that's what you find in God's word. That's what you find in Christian community and engagement. I choose God's truth over my own comfort. Unfortunately, trials can last a while, and you and I, we're humans, so we want out of them. But knowing there's a reward at the end doesn't always make it easier. Sometimes it does, but it doesn't always, and there's still that struggle to want to get out of it. Knowing that God is with us all the time, again, doesn't take away the struggle of a trial. And that's why James here in this section points out that temptation in trials is real. Enduring is tough. Pushing through, being steadfast. You and I, we want resolution. We want peace. We want vindication. We want our comfort back so again are we going to choose God's truth or my own personal comfort bearing down drawing a line in the sand I choose God's truth over my comforts are you in a place where you need to say that today are you in a place where you need to start living that out today don't compromise God's desire for you and your life for your own desire for comfort for your own desire for yourself James knows that even though it's painful and it's tough don't cheat yourself out of the growth and maturity that comes through going through trials and testing I choose God's truth over my comfort But this isn't just an I, this isn't just me. This needs to be a we. We need support, we need accountability. We need reminders, reminders of God's truth, who God is. So again, picture this family of believers and I think that's what God wants for us and that's why so often the writers of scripture use these familial terms, beloved brothers, beloved sisters, you're not alone. And it's not just the strength and encouragement that comes from James or the other biblical writers or, or from God who sometimes feels distance. It's from the per- person sitting next to you on your right or on your left. It's from community and community groups, these groups of people who come together and say, I will stand with you through whatever you go through and we want to be that kind of a church and this isn't a a, a sermon to make you feel bad if you're not involved in a community group but I hope this becomes a place where you can say I believe in these brothers and sisters in Christ these are people that I can go through life with these are people that when I'm in the middle of a test or a trial I could reach out to to be reminded of the truths of God that's what the church is all about that's why we can look at each other and say brother and sister right instead of just friend These should be the closest people in your lives because we're moving forward. We're being steadfast as we have been called to to become more like Jesus Christ. And that's my prayer for you guys today.